The doorway of change is one of the charts that in worship, the Lord showed this to Jean on how to teach people a visual of what they go through when they go from one measure of Christ to another measure of Christ. And what it shows here is you have the spirit in you. Hebrews 9.18 says it is the first appointment to remove sin's power. What is the first appointment to remove sin's power? Does anybody know? What is the first appointment to remove sin's power? Salvation. When you accept Christ in your heart and don't understand, you, you confess it with your lips, you take it into your heart, and you don't really know why but it's usually at a very broken time of why you don't understand what you're going through, okay? And when you accept him in, that becomes the first appointment. That means the spirit just became alive in you. And that, that little spirit is like the mustard seed. Nobody can break it. Nobody can hybrid it. They can't, they can't make it another plant. It is a solid little seed. Okay, and you know what that seed, that little seed that cannot be hybrided, it grows to be the largest herb. All right, so when you recognize that that little seed, no matter where you are on that chart, no matter where you are, it has every 100%, percent, 1,000% power to overcome any sin once you connect. Okay, so... The spirit in you is your first appointment to remove sin's power. Why is it called the first appointment? Because you don't understand how that power works yet. You just know something happened to you. You feel better. You feel like the Lord lifted some burdens off your shoulders. And why? A mistake of sin had been wiped away. But did you, but that, I didn't even understand this until I really looked at this chart and was taught it, that there is a, second appointment there is a second time and that's when it's you're in your soul so when we get our spirit our spirit is new it's full of life it wants to do right but then sometimes we keep doing what wrong we still keep doing something that doesn't make us feel good we still could go and still be drinking do you know what I mean even though I'm born again Christian but I still go and I drink till I get myself where you can feel the the where you can Ooze it out of my, my, my pores, you know? But I could still be making that mistake, making that mistake because I knew that this life is in me, but I don't know how to work that life in me. So then Christ comes, a second appointment in your life because he's going to hit this little list of things that you live, not because you want to live this list. It's because we're born into sin we are born into whoever our parents in. We're born into whatever our situation is. We're born into whatever our culture is. But we're born, and who? Another person teaches us. So we have to experience the battle of what I've already been taught or one of the second appointments. When we recognize that we have not been given the spirit of fear, but the spirit of what? Love. Power. The power is the spirit and a sound mind. Every crisis that comes our way or every circumstance that comes our way, a bondage, because that says, wow, my promise is near. That means Jesus is trying to, through the Holy Spirit, teach me something to overcome, 
to mature me into who I'm supposed to be in Christ. Because Christ didn't fear. He had to walk and everybody yell and scream and do everything with. He knew he had to go to the cross. He didn't maybe want to do that, but he knew not to fear it. Because he knew the promise. The promise he would be resurrected back up to his father and sit on the right hand of God. So he kept his eye on the prize. He kept his eye on the promise. So when we hit the second appointment, it's so that our soul can break from whatever lie that we've used to be living to break whatever lie we believe in because we were taught and we believe in what the word of God teaches us. So the second appointment is to remove sin's residue. So sin's power is being a born again spirit that's in us. The word of God. We read the word of God. We go through cleansing. The Holy Spirit causes us to go through cleansing to remove things in our body. You know what? Most people I meet after they become a born again Christian, they usually get very sick. You know, there's, because now that spirit is alive in them, man, it immediately starts cleansing you. You recognize that your body is a temple that holds a precious gift, a power, a power, a power that you're given, but you haven't learned how to what? Use it yet. It's like having the beautiful car and being so excited in your garage, right? But you got it when you were 10 years old and you can't drive it. You looked at it, you couldn't wait to use it, right? Because you wanted to enjoy it. Well, you know, God wants us to look at that spirit inside of us as the same thing. We've got to want to enjoy it, but there's going to be some hard knocks. How do we have to learn this power that it lives? We are the temple of God. We have to now remove all the stuff that's in us. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person. You know, when I first looked at this, I thought, oh, I'm bad. I, could, I probably have a lot of that right? But you don't because it's something that you had to experience or you would have never known your relationship with the Lord. So if you have fears, great. If you have anger, great. But guess what? The Lord is going to call a circumstance. He's going to call something up. Everybody in here has a responsibility to help somebody. You meet somebody, you don't pin them to the cross for fear. You don't pin them to the cross for anger. You don't pin them to the cross for lust. You can identify something with somebody, but then our job is to what? Help them learn the word. Help them experience Christ and help them know what word to get over. You know, um, I always sit when we sit in any type of counseling. And, you know, I've had to learn to wait on what verse are you, are, are you wanting you know, if I worship in the morning and I worship and I, I stay in a good worship, I'll hear certain verses. I'll write them down. Do you know they always apply to my day? For, it either applies to me or it applies for someone else. And the Lord prepares me. He gives me enough bread to feed the person that I'm going to see for the day. Because who knows who you're going to see for the day? He does. He even clears your schedule to make it so you can know that you can be with the person he wants you to talk to. And so... And you, as you listen to the person's voice, because hearing is so important, not only when we hear the word of God, do we connect that word in our spirit, okay? And then it's got to start what? It cannot come back void. Once a word enters in, it cannot come back void. It's going to have to perform. Now, when? That's another story. 
It comes unexpectedly. But it's to clear one of this list, something on this list. And you know, everybody can look at that list. And deep down, you know something that you're working on. And even if you don't know it, it's okay. Because when it's the right time, the appointed time, I love the word appointment. There is appointed time. Everything that happens in your life, if you start looking at it, it's an appointed time. Whether you caused it or you didn't cause it, it's what? An appointed time. Because if it causes you to feel pain, if it causes you to feel hurt, if it causes you to be angry, if it's any symptom, if it causes you to complain, any of these things, if it causes you to run to a person, if it causes you to run and go spend a lot of money, you know, there's some people, they start feeling pain, they just go shop and make themselves feel better. There's some people when they're feeling the pain, it's about the pain. The pain is the sufferings that you're partaking with Christ. Now you have to ask them, why am I feeling this pain? Why am I feeling this pain? Why? Is it because of pride? But you, can, you know what it is by the action you choose to take as you're headed out to try to mask your pain. So everybody in here knows what they do to comfort their pain. They don't go to, when you don't go to the word, because you may not know to, what else do you go to? Do you run to a person to feel love? Do you run to the bar to get a drink? Do you run to, you know what I mean, your TV to get yourself lost in someone else's world? You know, what do we do? Do we start picking on somebody else, bringing them down to elevate yourself? That's pride. What do we do? We start getting sick. Sometimes it's not what you do to another person. It's what you've allowed to happen manifest in your own body. Do we allow that sickness to develop in us? And do we just let ourselves wallow in it? You know, I had to live with my mom when she was depressed. When I got out of college and she was depressed, she wallowed in her sickness. And it was horrible because I didn't believe in that. And we and her was tough to live together because she would always be sick. And I'd be like, get up. You know what I mean? I would clean the house. I, I wanted her to be alive. And, you know, that's how we feel when we look at people, no matter what their situation is. I'm a type, I know me, I want somebody to feel life in something, whether whatever they're suffering. But, it's, but I learned it's okay to suffer. I'm not supposed to help that person feel better. I'm supposed to encourage that person to walk towards his truth. And guess what? They'll feel better. <laughs> that is the only message that soothes the soul is the word of God. And it's so misrepresented. People fear to go there and they don't know that's got the whole truth. That has got what will break fear. It's got what will break anger. It will break perversion. It will break. And perversion's not just sex. Perversion's how you take something and then use it wrong. How you take something and use it against someone. So there's a, there's, that's, a, that's a very deep word. Love of money, pride, sickness, demons, all that stuff. We never invited it into ourselves. I just want everybody to know that you did not invite that into yourself. When people start clear, this is where you clear the field. Everybody has something they have to overcome. How would you have ever known you had the power of Christ in you if you didn't have something to overcome? Nobody's perfect. We become perfect in love as the residue gets overcome by the power. And then we walk in the word of our testimony. And then that saves another soul. And that is the beauty of Christ. Is he taught us this. 
so we could all walk in his love. And love is power. But we've got to get here. We get, we've got to go through our experience. Everything in our life is an appointed time of change. And it never stops. So when we recognize that the Spirit's in us, and it is the power, and then we step up and we recognize that we do have residue, that we, through Christ, can get cleaned up. Then we walk up to the threshold of change where <laughs> even in school, you go to a class every day, go to a class every day, go to a class every day. Then what happens? The test. All right? The test is to test you where the Lord will put before you life and death. And he will say now, you've been, I've removed some of your residue. Now you've got to choose which way to go. So if it's the person who always drinks and always drinking but loves God, but now they've got to break it, well, there's always going to be that time when somebody comes up, hey, party, let's go, come with me. And then you go with that person because you feel, mm, I can go, it'll still be okay. And you walk into that situation and then you're faced with what? Life or death? Do I choose, do I have the power that that drink does not empower me. Do you get what I'm saying? That that drink will not overtake me. Can I just have one drink? It's not about you can't go have a glass of wine. You can't go have that. But will you allow that to dictate your movement for the evening? Okay, we've all, I mean, I think we've all been there. <laughs> I'd like to think we've all been there. <laughs> Everybody's always been somewhere. But even if it wasn't an alcohol, it could be a person. It could have been shopping, something that you know. I can go walk through the mall, but am I going to spend $500 or am I going to be in control and say, what do I really need? Okay, does that sin overtake you or do you now have power over that sin? Okay, when we run and hide, there is a time of sanctification with Jesus where he takes you in and he teaches you his word. But then he says, time to come out. Now go do what you regularly do. Now, a situation will happen and he will put before you life and death. The person who says closed up in their shell, they've been sanctifying Christ and they love it. I don't know anybody who does not get into sanctification that the Lord does not remove something from them. And it's a time for a residue to be cleared. And you get comfortable and you're happy. But then you actually start feeling fear to go out and experience because you know what? The Lord cleans us up so we can go back to where we were so we can what? Now teach other people. And they'll see a difference on you no matter what. They see the glow of Christ on you and they're like, hey, what's been up with you? And then the word of your testimony has the, the spirit, as the spirit comes out when you speak your testimony and it is the truth. And it's not man-made. And it's only happened by God. When you speak that testimony and the word, you can feel the power hit a person. And that's what the word does. The word says it is sharper. And it is powerful than any two-edged sword. Because it cuts and it's cleaning. It really does. It enters in. And you don't feel guilt and condemnation. You feel what? Conviction. Conviction is a healthy thing because the moment you feel convicted, you know you have a relationship with Christ because you know he's convicting you to what? Clean you. 
And so the word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division between the spirit to your soul. Because the, pur- the purpose of piercing it is to bring it back into submission, to bring the soul into submission to the spirit, making it one. Jesus' walk was a physical example of how our soul and spirit become an alignment of one. Isn't that beautiful? We don't have to partake in the physical sufferings. We have to partake in the transformation of our mind, and that's the doorway of change. Now, when we come up to that change, we feel it's a new, you're a new creation. You have new knowledge of Christ. When you feel that situation coming up to you, you know you have to have three things, faith in that word. So if you fear, and it says you have not been given the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. If I see a bug crawling all the way here and I start screaming, is that a sound mind? No, no. But if I say and meditate on that word, I have the spirit of love, spirit of, the spirit of power, spirit of sound mind. I, the Lord never gave me a spirit of fear. There is no spirit of fear. Lord did not give it to us. Darkness gave it to us. So if I meditate on that word and I meditate on it, guess what I'm going to get tested on? Love, power, a sound mind. It's positioned. But think about it. A person who fears, if they can get it right, that I love first, there's a power within me, and it will cause me not to what? Run away, scream, overreact. That I do I have been born in Christ with a sound mind. All right. So, but you've got to have faith. You have to have faith that Jesus Christ, the power is in you. You actually have to trust in that word that was provided to you. And there's two ways you get words. Well, three ways. You read it in the word and something will pop out on you and that'll be a revelation. If you're new in Christ, somebody will come to you and tell you something and say, hey, this is a great word. And then that word hits you. You know, the Lord is so good to us. He knows where we're at on that chart. He knows what we can hear and what we can't hear. He knows how we can receive. That's where we trust. We trust, we trust, we trust. When we don't trust people, that's a, that can be a tough position. Because if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, this is a really good verse. If you don't like that person, you'll say, I'm not going to hear it from that person. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? When we're not the judge of the person. You take the word, meditate on it. If it doesn't do anything for you, move it on. If you feel the revelation of that word, then you do. But the power is in Christ, not the power that the iniquity making us think that people are trying to hurt us. That's paranoid. That's, and that's not of God. So we have to have faith, trust, and then we have to have belief. And the main belief is that Jesus Christ died. And that when he was, he was resurrected back to his father and he gave us the Holy Spirit. Now that is a hard thing to believe if you've never felt it. And so the first thing when you're drawing, when someone's drawn to Christ to you, through you, and God is working through you, man, you've got to teach them to believe that Jesus is the Lord of their life. I mean, that's a, you know, I read this really cool article. And I forget where I I read it, but it was really cool. It said, how do you know the difference if somebody's, you know, really walking out their salvation versus if they're just born again and they're not doing anything about it? 
That person will love God, talk about God, do everything that looks like God. But they will never confess that Jesus is their Lord. It says Jesus is our Savior, first appointment. Second appointment is when Jesus becomes your Lord. That means this word becomes your only truth, becomes your only truth. And you know that if you don't know it, you'll seek it. You'll open it up and try to find it because that's how much you know he's your Lord. And you know what? That's building a relationship with Christ in you with the Father. And then the Father, when the Father sees life and death put before you, and he sees you chose his son, the living word of God, then he says, God wants to give it to you, but he can't give it to you until what? You pass the test with Jesus. So here it says, God's love is unconditional, but his promises are what? Conditional. Man, I had to wrap my brain around that one. I'm like, well, if somebody loves you, they want to give you everything. And you're right. God loves us so much. He wants to give us everything. And he will never leave us nor forsake us in our moment of our worst time. But honestly, we have so many other promises that he wants to give us. But he says, you have to go through my son. You have to what? Go through a change. There's always an exchange of giving up something of your soul that's not of God for replacing it with Jesus. And then he gives you what you need. And you know what? We have to be obedient and submissive to that. We have to actually submit to this word of God. Now, personally, you know what I thought when I learned this? When I learned, wow, everything's in here. You know, I was excited. And then you know what the second feeling I thought? Man, I'm off the hook. Because you know what? I was tired of figuring out where is Lee going? What is Lee doing? What does Lee, who is Lee? Who am I supposed to be married to? How am I supposed, I mean, you get tired. And what makes you tired? Fear. What makes you tired? Anger. It is Satan's trap to keep you running in the circle, running back to the store, running back to the bar, running back to the guy or girl. You know what I mean? We're not supposed to be doing that. We have got to what? Deal with the conflict. Rejoice in the trial because God's trying to remove something so you'll surrender to him. So you'll surrender. We have to what? Deal with the troubles. Sometimes I come into work and I was like, I don't want to deal with that tenant today. That tenant's going to call. It's going to complain. I don't want to take his calls. You know what? Now I take the call. You know what? Because I know the Lord is using his anger onto me so he can see his love. So it's not about me. See, I love that. You're, we're off the hook. You know what I mean? We're disqualified champions. That means None of, we all have the spirit in us, so none of us had to fill out an application. <laughs> all we had to do was accept it. There was no application. There was no, eh, you're denied. You know, it's no. Boom. The Holy Spirit's there. Everybody has the ability to grip it. You don't get denied. But okay, once you get to that point, you really, before God gives you to receive, there is a rest that you must sit in. And the rest is when he really sees if you love him. Because in the world, when we take a test and we get straight A's, usually get a star. Usually you get a box of cookies when you get home. Usually you get a treat. Somebody might get an iPhone. Somebody might, but there's always a gift. 
but it's what right away as we grow the Christ in us we have to maintain in his rest we never know when our receiving comes but the promise is that we will receive so if we seek Christ not in a miss we do it because we really want change we lay our arms up and just say I want the change and then it says in Luke hold on to the plow and don't look back because it says if you look back then you're not fit for the kingdom of God that already dwells in you so if you go back to your old ways then Christ can't grow you've just repressed the spirit it's always there but it becomes harder to go back to it but he's always there so everybody can redeem but he wants to redeem you so when we hold on to the plow you just make the you just look to the lord and say i'm not going back to the old man even if you thought that old man was good hold on to the plow press forward he will cause all the change he will cause the turbulations only to mature you you know a lot of people blame the devil for that stuff man god ordains that stuff so that you become mature in his way and then when you sit in the rest all he wants you to do is enjoy the time in psalms 105 it says enjoy the time while the tests are coming then i will give to you and then he gives to you always when you never expected he knows what you need he also knows what we want but it won't come at our demand so if i got a straight a test give me my prize well that wouldn't be that wouldn't be god's way that'd be the world's way god's way is stay in my rest praise in the rest meditate in the rest enjoy the rest the longer your flesh can deal with the rest and you know he puts a bubble of grace around you while you're in the rest you can be in this bubble and all these things can be happening and you can see them all through the bubble but you just are kind of floating and bumping slightly. You're not crashing. You're not burning. You're not reacting. You're just taking it all in, going along with God's plan. And then one day, he expands your territory. How does he expand your territory? He gives you more things to be responsible for him to use. So it's about responsibility. You know, we all have Christ and we have a responsibility to everybody that we're with to help raise them up, build them up not pin them to the cross we love people in their weakness and then that's how the Lord works with but we don't baby them we love them and teach them but we don't make them what if we take somebody and we encourage them to go back to fear we encourage them to here you can see somebody plowing and then you're like oh you might need to do this because it's not good now can you imagine if you saw somebody in this I say this in the spirit working through their trouble and then you give them one connection to their old man what might they do turn back to their old man and then they might like that old man and then they let go and then they get pulled back it says the spirit lust after the flesh the flesh lust after the spirit because the producer of everything is through the soul it is the new testament garden everything has to get produced through our soul our soul is going to choose our flesh 
or our soul is going to choose our spirit. So the moment we're looking at the drink at the bar, and even though I've changed and my flesh thinks it's got to have that, well, then guess what? I'm being led by what? The spirit of darkness. My flesh. Because if my soul acts on it. So that's why it says, make every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. Because every thought causes an action. So we've all been there when we've done the wrong actions. But if we captivate the thought before we talk and say, okay, what should I do now? If you don't know what to do, you don't do anything. Because the Lord, Jesus, is not the author of pressure. In fact, he gives us so many opportunities to choose the right way. Even when we make the wrong way, he gives us a window to redeem it. That's how awesome he is. He is so awesome. He allows us to redeem it. But then if we never see it, if we never see him in it, then we're going to have to reap the consequences of the flesh because the flesh is of the world. So the spirit lusts after the flesh because it wants the soul to listen to it. If our soul would listen to our spirit, then we would, we would be able not to, what, respond to the flesh. So every time we think we need love somewhere, we won't go for that because it's our flesh. The spirit will say, nope, spend time with me, Christ, and I'm going to heal you. I'm going to deliver you. And now I'm going to bring you into your place. So praise God. The rest is the hardest spot. So people, we go through these steps. A first appointment, a second appointment, boom, we go through all. This never changes. These things never change. How you handle them is how they change.